We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's get to some more. A lot of great questions today. Good job, everybody. We had a question from Johnny. One who said, what kind of statistical breakdown are you expecting from Holden? Or sorry, statistical breakout are you expecting from Holden Stace? I, I don't know that I'm ready to really jump on the bandwagon of big breakout season from him yet. I think he's certainly capable of it, but I'm just some kind of a I'm a, you know what you know what where I am at this time of the season, Ryan, is I've kind of gotten through my everything is awesome phase and I'm now more in the, I'm excited about the season, but now I'm very much in the, okay, I want to see it. I want to see it. I want to see it. I want to see it mode. I mean, that's kind of where I'm at the day before the game. And yeah. could Holden come out and have a 30 plus catch season? Wouldn't shock me at all. Am I yeah. ready to predict it or say my, that I'm my, expecting it? That's where I, yeah. cause, cause guys, Mitchell Evans is a good football player. He's not just going to, you know, step aside for Holden Stace to, to take all the reps. I mean, I, I yeah. think, I think we'll see, I think this will be the first time in several years that we see a little bit of a split at tight end, as far as from a production standpoint, I hope anyway. I was going to say is I think that the, I think that this tight end room is going to be graded based upon what the entirety of the room looks like in, in, yeah. in but in the last couple of years, it's like Michael Mayer, Michael Mayer, Michael Mayer. And I completely get that. Right. I expect John, like I just, my mind wanders to 15 to 20 catches and whatever the yardage is at that point. Right. Like, I think Holden Stace is going to be a nice element of this passing attack because the great thing about him is he's very different than Mitchell Evans, right? Like you can use him in many different ways. So I think he's going to have an impact on this offense. But I'm similarly to Brian where I think that Mitchell Evans is going to play. I think Holden Stace is going to play. I think both of them are going to have a role in this offense. So I don't necessarily think there's one tight end that's going to get all of the snaps, right? Like 70, 80% of the snaps. I think that there's going to be a little bit of a mix here, which – Nothing wrong with that, man, because Holden Stace is talented. And Mitchell Evans, last time we saw Mitchell Evans, he had a good football game. And it was a, one of the reasons that they beat South Carolina last year, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yep. More questions here. You can, Let's see. Let's go down to Wade Garrett down here. This Wade is not Garrett, happening, if, by the way. I'm just telling you right now. If Notre Dame wins the title this year, can we get R- Brian, Ryan, and Vince to get on video and sing the Notre Dame fight song? Yeah, you can get me on video to do that. Yeah, Vince and Ryan would absolutely be willing to do that. I will not. 
I will. I will 100 do that. Yes, I, Wade. Yeah. I probably would do a lot more things than just besides that if they won a national championship. But yes, I'm gonna have like that, that. Uh, remove button. Like I'm gonna be hovered over that remove button the entire show if we're never to title with Ryan and Vince in the show. I'm like okay, I know we're professionals here, Brian. But if they won a championship or on a post game show, okay, I'm I'm bringing I'm bringing some whiskey on the show. I just hope that you understand that. <laughs> oh goodness gracious. I don't know what happened to Ryan's feet, everybody. I'm not sure what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Don't let me back in. Just ban uh, me from the studio. Yeah. yeah. It's all good. All good. I would uh, understand from, the excitement, Ryan. I would. Yes. From Domer Text 22 says, if you had to operate a food truck serving only one type of food with your livelihood dependent on it, what are you going with? I, my mom is full Italian, so I would cook Italian food. I'm... I, it's a gravy. It's not a sauce. When you have the long, drawn-out process, it's a gravy. So meatballs, chicken cutlets, chicken parmesan. Like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get the Italian fix in there for sure. I would probably go with things that are a little bit easier for me to make in a food truck type of situation. I'd probably go a little bit more of a, you know, I'd serve some chili. I make a, a really good chicken chili, so I'd serve that. And then like, kind of like pasta, Ryan, you can make a lot of it at once, you know, to have it. And yeah, big, big, like that's of it. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Make a, you know, you got that big old, you know, like stuff. Yes. <laughs> and I'd probably do like bur- dip burgers and stuff, smash burgers. I, I, I love making smash burgers. So I, and you can make a lot of those. You have just a bunch of beef and you can just make those as, Cause like the way that I, the, the way that smash bur- I cook them, right. It's like, it's two minutes on each side and then they're ready to go. And so I would make yeah. them all fresh and, you know, serve them right then and there nice and juicy and hot and bang it out. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It'd be a lot uh, of man, fun. The best thing is my, uh, my father-in-law got all the stuff to do the smash burgers a few months ago. So he's been like very much into doing smash oh, burgers yeah. recently. So he like got all the he, equipment, like he's got the oh, thing yeah. to put. Oh yeah. Oh, My yeah. wife bought me he's all got everything. That. Oh yeah. He's got I'm, all that. I'm he, digging like, it. Butters the buns, gets them all yep. in there. I'm like, okay. All yep. right. All right. He's digging got the griddle that. pan, like everything, man. He's now see, I don't that. do the buns because I do uh pretzel buns and I like pretzel okay. buns. Not that way. Gotcha. So, but if I was doing like normal, just white bread buns, I would definitely do yeah. it that way. Yep. No, those are great. Angela bought me one of those. Cause at first I was, so at first I took a, we had a big spatula and then I took my uh, meat pounder and I would use that to kind of apply the pressure and then I'd have to like move it all around. It wasn't the easiest thing. And then Angela went out and she bought me one of the, you know, one of the things you use. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah, It's great. Love that. That, And then they have the smoker now too. So, I mean, I'm going over there after the show. I'm pretty sure they're like smoking some nice pork butt or something like that. Very nice. It's going to be good. Ryan's going to, we're going to, uh, we're going to Hanayori tonight, the local Japanese steakhouse today. Did I take, did we, did you go there when you were in town? We'll have to take you there next time you're in town. If if you like Japanese steakhouses, it's really good. Really good. I used to be a much a pretty picky eater. I'm really not that picky anymore. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm still a I'll tad picky because I'll be like, I won't like I'll have them like give Angela the zucchini and stuff. Like I'm like, yes. I'd give her that, you know, and I'll take her mushrooms because she's allergic to mushrooms and do it that way. But yeah, it's really, oh, really? really good. Huh? Yeah. I've never met anybody that was allergic to mushrooms. That's interesting. That's yep. a unique one. She yeah. is. I mean, in like to the point where, so here's a, here's a funny story. We were on a cruise long time ago and yeah. she got, she got, uh, they were serving, you know, like cruises, they just kind of like theme nights. And so they were doing, yeah. you know, uh, Asian food mm-hmm. and she got spring roll or egg rolls. And so like, apparently egg rolls, sometimes they have them in there and sometimes they don't. So she asked and the guy's like, no, no mushrooms. And so she takes a bite of two, two or three bites. And I look over and she's already, her neck's getting all oh, red. No. 
And she looks at it and there's like this mushroom right in the middle. He's like, no, 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 no problem. It's a, it's a Japanese mushroom. I'm like, bro, it's a freaking mushroom. mushroom. Like she's not allergic <laughs> right. to American mushrooms only. you know, like, what, <laughs> what kind of, so we spent the whole night in the infirmary. And then we, we went out to dinner with my parents one night, this place called PF Chang's in Virginia. It's like a national chain, but it's like a Chinese oh, restaurant. Yeah. And so of course, Anne's has to do everything that they did and, you know, no mushrooms. And so she's eating and they're like, we're trying to figure out what she's breaking out. We don't know why to take her to the hospital, but she's, they're like, no, no, there's nothing. They're like, well, what about that soup? And they're like, no, it's it's made with this, 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 and truffle oil. I'm like, you don't truffles know that truffles guy, yeah. are. Oh my god, people are stupid. Yeah. yeah. So and of course, I'd spend the whole night in the, the hospital. So yeah, she's. I mean, it's like Ryan. She bites into one, and immediately her yeah. neck starts getting red, and her chest starts like hiving out, and it's like, oh, let's it's, go to the hospital. So it's really scary, man. When I was the high when I was a high school coach, we had this one kid that was allergic to fresh cut grass. So, oh my god! The one you're, time you're playing had, the wrong sport, brother. <laughs> the, one day, the one day of practice, he looked like a fish, man. It was just like gills. I was like, oh, like, all right, at the bed, get it over here. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Oh boy. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, Vanilla Chill says, what is one thing that you predict that no one that no one else has that you would love to brag about, whether it be Notre Dame related or college football overall or recruiting wise? That's an interesting question. What is one thing that you predict that no one else has that you would love to brag about? Oh. I, I, I think for me, this one just pops in my head and I know I'm going to be looked at as a hater from this and like. LSU fans, if they pop in here, will probably be yelling at me. But I, I am not sold on LSU the way that they're making LSU out to be as far like the foregone conclusion winner of the East this year. Like they yeah. are just this incredible West. team. I, or, yeah, I, East, think, yeah, I right. think they could win eight. No, I think they could go eight and four or nine and three this year very yeah. easily. I, I think they're a good team still, but like I, I think we're just we're getting a little bit too ahead of ourselves with LSU. A little bit, man. Just a little bit. And I'm very I'm curious saying. how they're gonna look defensively without Mason Smith against Florida State. Yeah, that's going to be very it's a big one to start the year too, man. It's a big yeah. one. So, yep, yep. Um, what is one thing that you predict that no one else has that you would love to brag about? I I don't know that I would say 
first of all, I don't, I'm not necessarily like, I don't know if I'd call myself the bragging type. I'd probably remind people of things. I guess me picking LSU in 2019, I, I mentioned quite, you know, whenever we talk about it, but I don't know if I'd call it bragging. Um, uh, I mean, I, I don't know that I'd say no one. I mean, not, not, I'm not, I don't know if there's anything I've said that no one else has Ryan, but I, I think Notre Dame being in the college football playoff and then winning a game is not something that most people have on their on their prediction. So I, I, that would be it for me is that one right there. You know, sure. um, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I don't think Oklahoma is going to be that great this year. And I would love to be either. right about that. I would love because yeah. I, I, I've always liked Oklahoma, Ryan. I mean, I didn't love Barry Switzer, but I told you I, my favorite quarterback as a kid that wasn't a Notre Dame player was Jamel Holloway. Even though I hated yeah. Brian Bosworth and I hated Barry Switzer, I loved watching Jamel Holloway, man. That guy was an option wizard. Yeah, uh, which is funny coming for me because I, but I, I didn't grow to hate the option until I became an adult. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, I mean, it is beautiful to watch when, when it, like they truly run it really well. Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? Like it is beautiful to watch. Yeah. It really is. But I, you know, I just, I really can't stand Brent Venables. I just, he's uh, very I, I unlikable, either, and I would uh, love to be right about that. I mean, everybody's oh, they're top twenty-five. I've seen people put in the top twenty. I saw one person recently had him ranked ahead of Notre Dame, and I'm like, you guys are on crack. Like, I, I know who that person was too. I mean, so uh, yeah, it, it's. I mean, it's been out there though, man. Like, it's not just one. I've seen a couple people that have them as like a yeah. borderline top ten team, and I'm just like, guys, yeah. what are we basing this off of? Like, what are we? And then then. Uh, I have a buddy that was one of these people, right, Brian, that you know. And I asked him, and he was like, oh, they had a great um, transfer portal haul. And I'm like, who in the transfer portal is, like, that big of a difference, man? Right. Like, honestly. It's like Rothel right. Balthiard and, like, solid players, but, like, they're not needle But, Ryan, if he was opinion. that good, he wouldn't be transferring somewhere. He'd be going pro. It's not like he's coming right. from Delaware, right? Yeah. He came from a Power 5 school, right? Yeah. He, if he was that good, he'd be going pro. That's that's I, my I've, whole thing with the transfers and stuff, you know? I, I, I've heard some interesting tidbits on some of the kids that have transferred there, too. They're, I mean, it's like a typical thing, right, Brian? Like, there's a couple guys that they're incredibly excited about, even more right. than maybe they thought they would be. There's some right. that aren't living up to expectations. Right. One that I thought was super interesting that hasn't lived up to expectations. I probably shouldn't say it on the podcast because, uh, yeah, but – uh, apparently, Andrew Anthony is balling out. He's supposed to be their best receiver this year, me. apparently. Yeah. Walter Rouse apparently has taken a big step forward, which I don't think anyone should be shocked about. But yeah. there is one big get in the transfer portal, and I'll leave it at this. One big get in the transfer portal from Oklahoma that apparently is not panning out too well so far. Mm-hmm. So I'll just leave it at that. For now. Why don't you go ahead and, Ryan, while I'm – Bring yes, up the next question. You. Go ahead and shoot me a little you. text message. I'm very curious about that one. I thought you were going to say Walter Rouse is taking a step back, and I was going to bum me out because I really like Walter Rouse. I've heard uh, he's been. I heard yeah. he's going to be but the you, starting left tackle. I you think. get him he's with. Really you get well. him with right Bill, tackle. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, I'm glad yeah. you didn't put that one out there, but it also does yeah. not surprise me at all. Yeah, uh, you put Walter yeah. Rouse with Bill Bedenball as long as he's bought in. Yeah. And he fits yeah. that system well. You know, he he can move, and he's an athletic kid. So I'm glad to hear he's doing well. And I was also uh, uh, unhappy to hear about Jacob Lacey's um, health issues. That's Jacob's a good yeah. kid. I didn't like I didn't like what Jacob did. Yeah, but I think he's I love the kid. I, I love the family. Great family. I just you know, and I I don't ever want to see a kid like that deal with I, health I issues be, at that age. I I think he'll be pretty good in that system too. Yeah. I mean, they did pretty well with Jalen Redmond and they're kind of similar ish yeah. type of players. So yeah, I hope he gets back. I hope he gets back. All right, let's get to some more, Ryan. We got a lot of questions here. Uh let's go here. 
because you know we got to kind of get a few in and go back to one of john a one's questions (laughs) and get more in and yeah the real john a one yes john's question which personnel grouping do you expect will be the most effective for notre dame in 2023 11 personnel 12 21 personnel which grouping do you hope is most effective? Well, I think the one that will be most effective will also be the one that I hope is most effective, and that's 11 personnel. Uh, you know, look, I think 21 personnel is a great grouping as a changeup. I don't think it can be a bread and butter type of, of personnel grouping by using a true back. Now, they're kind of in that when they're 11 personnel this year because of Tyree, but they've spent the whole offseason turning him into a receiver, not just as yeah. a gimmicky, you know, back that can play in the slot. So, I think 11 personnel, I think the, the use of, of of RPOs is a big reason for that, in my view. I think that's going to lead to a lot more production, run screen game, quick stuff. Look, Notre Dame has been really what, – what, what's been hurting Notre Dame in recent years offensively, Ryan, is the way that they ran the offense. And this goes back to before Tommy Reese took over. So this isn't just a Tommy Reese thing. And this is something that Chip Long and Brian Kelly used to butt heads about as well is because Brian Kelly was very much a scheme, 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 scheme guy. And, and you need to be able to get gimme yards in an offense. You need to be able to have things built in. That's like, Hey, I don't have to draw up the perfect scheme. And and, and that's something I always respected about Charlie Weiss in 05 is yeah, Charlie was smart and he wanted to, but Charlie had no problem just saying, hey, if they're going to play eight yards off the ball, just throw it out the mower, throw it to some margin, just let them run like a, the little look screen. I mean, that, that you got to have that. I mean, you, you need to have those those gimme yards, you know, steel yard. You know, say, we've got to steal some yards. You need to have those things built into the offense. And Notre Dame didn't do that. Everything was required execution, 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 execution. And there's just going to be games where, you know, you just – it's going to be hard to do that for 60 minutes and you're going to need those times to, to get, to get those, those, you know, those hidden yards or to steal yards or get the gimme yards or however you want to phrase that they didn't have that. And that was something that hurt Notre Dame, especially against, you know, when, when the weather wasn't great or the other team had really good talent or your quarterback, you know, you didn't have a, the ideal quarterback. Why are you asking Drew Pine to execute the same offense? You asked Jack Cohn to execute it. Right. It's not fair to Drew. You know, there should have been some other things built in and, you know, that they didn't really do. So I think that's going to be the biggest thing. But a lot of that is going to be most effective out of 11 personnel, in my opinion, than it will be yeah. the others. Thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I like 11 personnel because I think that it kind of plays the Notre Dame strengths a ton. I mean, Notre Dame is going to have one of the deeper wide receiver groups that they've had in the last couple of years. And they're also going to have one of the more shallow tight end rooms that they're going to have as far as healthy bodies in that tight end room and unproven production in the tight end room as well. So I think 11 personnel meshes to that very well. I think you still, and then I also think that you have more opportunities as far as out of 11 personnel to run a lot of more RPO looks where I want to see more RPO assimilated into this offense. So I think RPO handling, I think wide receiver depth, and I think tight end having a little bit of a lack of depth this year of healthy bodies. I think 11 personnel is the, is the bread and butter to Notre Dame this year. Yep. Here's an interesting one, Ryan. Let's go to this one. Fuelsfield Financial Services, Inc. That's JP right there. That's, yeah, buddy. Yes or no, Sam Hartman is the first quarterback in Notre Dame history to throw for 500 yards, and Notre Dame wins that game. That Sam Hartman goes over 500 yards. Well, he won't be the lot. he won't be the first quarterback to throw for over 500 yards because I believe that's already been done. I believe Joe Theismann did that, and I'm trying to find I'm trying to find that in the the breakdown. Now I'm in this the stats thing, so just give me a second. But I, I believe yep. that's already been done. So um, 
He did, the, he did that in the 70s? That's 60s, pretty dang impressive. I believe oh, in the just, 60s. Yeah, I believe. Really? But just give me a second to find that one, Ryan. Uh, yeah. I believe he did it against, I thought he did it against USC, but I'm not 100% sure. So let me just, uh, yeah, this this thing is um, Joe Theismann. All right, let's yeah, see here. Let's find some Joe Theismann numbers here real quick, right? See if they have that in there. Uh, do they not have yards in here? What the heck is going I'm, on? Yeah, he had 512 against USC back in 1970. 1970. So, yeah. Yeah, I thought so. And then Brady Quinn is next. He had 479 against Michigan State in 05. That was an overtime. Yeah. Uh, and then Deshaun Kaiser is the next guy. He had 472. I was actually talking about this game recently. He had 472 against Syracuse back in 2016. Remember after they got oh. rid of the Van Gorder? And... I was I was there. I yeah. was oh, really? Game, okay. So, yeah. It's funny yeah. to find out how many times you and I have been at the same game before we met. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, man. And then Brady like, Quinn is fourth, fifth, and sixth. <laughs> he had 463 against Purdue in 05. He had 457 against BYU in 05. And he had... 453 against Stanford in 05. Jimmy's highest was 447 against Navy in, in, in 2009. And then the next two are actually Deshaun. Uh, Deshaun threw for 442 against Temple in 2015, and then he threw for 441 in a loss to Duke in was, 2000. And then Everett's highest was 435 against Arizona State. I, I was at that Temple game as well where Deshaun threw for a messy yard. So yep. I was at that game. That yep. was right in Philly. The, and uh, he had the two stupid blink. turnovers that kept them from, and he had like an eight, like a 70 yard touchdown run in that game. Remember that? Yes, he, I think it was longer than that, man. Like yeah. that was a long run. Yeah. I'm like, oh, geez. but he had he those two coming, stupid we, red zone interceptions. We, man. we were in the end zone that he was coming towards us. And okay. It was just wild off of that quarterback. It was like yeah. a QB power, I think. Right. Like it was just yeah, something. Quarterback yeah. Read, it, was a read, it, was it was a read. It was a read. It was a read option. Was yeah. Our read or was it? Yeah. yeah it was, it was read zone. I believe is, is I could be wrong on that, but I can go back can look it up but yeah it was uh let's see here the funny thing is is i i think he only threw for one touchdown pass in that game yeah he only threw one touchdown pass and i threw for over 400 yards but his only touchdown pass in that game was that that game winner to will fuller yeah uh but yeah he had a he had a, a 70 where is it 79 yard yeah. touchdown run a long run dude <laughs> yeah <laughs> like yeah and he was a he was a big guy obviously so it was like dang man he's yeah like 80 yards i'm actually trying um, to find that that touch that that run to see if I can, uh, yeah, if I can find it. But yeah, um, Sean Kaiser is still one of the most frustrating players to me ever. Yep. Man, that kid was just he was well, so talented. <laughs> yeah, so talented. and and the other thing too is it's uh, partly on him, right? His attitude was not what it needed to be. His work ethic was not ne- what it needed to be. His, you know, his his um, understanding of what it takes to be a great quarterback was severely lacking. Uh, you know, about being a great teammate and all that kind of stuff and, and being a hard worker and, and all those different things. But, you know, we should have known that before he even played. When you talk about it, you thought about quitting. No great quarterback ever thinks about quitting like that, in my opinion. I just – I don't see that as being like a, a thing. But, you know, Deshaun Deshaun liked all that came came with being at Notre Dame, being a, being a quarterback, but he just didn't want to put in the work that was needed yeah. to – I know to be that guy, and and that's yeah. that's the unfortunate thing. So he he had, he had the physical building blocks, oh, and he yeah. was a really smart guy too. So yes. like he wanted it, and he wanted to apply himself. Like he would have been, re- oh man, yep, strong arm. I mean, he had all that stuff. He There's had all no those reason things. that 
talent-wise, Deshaun Kaiser shouldn't still be in the NFL. Yeah. Like, there's no reason that that shouldn't be. But yeah, yeah just didn't want Ryan, it, I'm, look, just didn't I'm want looking it. at it now. It was inside zone read. He took that step back, rode it, and then pulled mm-hmm. it and got around the corner. And now it's like it's a pretty good Temple defense. Temple was Tyler good there, man. I think Hassan was Reddick off. was on that team. He was young. He had a, um, I, I think uh, Philip Walker was a quarterback. Yeah, yeah. Who was player. the D tackle? He's been in the NFL for a while. Oh, Dogba? Man. Dogba? No, like Matt Dogba? something. Matt. Oh, um, Ionitis. Matt Ionitis. Yes. Yes, yeah, yeah. he was a D tackle on that team. Tyler Medicavich was a tough football yeah, player, he man. Was, he was man. tough as nails. Yeah, he was. Wasn't he a Char- pretty good special yeah. teams player in the NFL for a few years with the Steelers? Yeah, for I think a couple years. Yeah, yeah. He, he was with the Steelers. Yeah, I mean, he just obviously wasn't physically talented enough to be a starter. Yeah, he just but like, he was well a enough. real yeah. solid special teams player. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, he's a good player. Really good player. Nathan Milton said, biggest or smaller fan of Coach Marcus Freeman since his hire? Well, I mean, I, I don't consider myself either. I don't consider yeah. myself a fan. Uh, I, I'll ask, I'll answer your question this way, not looking at it from a fan standpoint, but do I feel, do I feel I mean, at this point in time, like, do am I more sold or less sold on his ability to be that guy? Honestly, he's still a big unknown, but I'm probably more sold now than I was before because we have seen some things that he he didn't do a good job with last year. But we saw a guy that was 36, 37, going his first year, make mistakes, team underachieves, and then fix it in season. Like, Ryan, you know this. The One of the biggest things that a great head coach needs is sometimes the thing you think is going to be the plan doesn't work out. And are right. you willing to say, screw it, scrap it? You know, because you can't do that every time. Because sometimes, like, look, guys, it's going to work. We just need to stick with it. And there's right. that fine line between doing that and then saying, hey, you know what? We got, we got to pitch it. It's not working. There's foundational things that yeah. just take a while to get yeah. assimilated. Right. But right. then there's other things where it's like, yeah, that's just not going to work. It's not, right. it's not the right, that's not the right blend for this team. It's just, and not, he recognized so. that. Now you could say, Hey, maybe he should have recognized it after Marshall, but again, year one, the fact that he changed it in season, we didn't see Brian Kelly really do those type of things throughout his entire career. Cause he was just so, you know, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. It's somebody else's fault. So I'm not going to change what I'm doing. I'll, I'll bench a player, you know, and it, I'll do that. It Brian, was Brian Kelly's not the only coach that's ever liked this, but it, it took to get to rock bottom to elicit a change, yeah. right? To go four and eights. So we're like, huh, right. I might need to be able to do something different here. And, and, and let's be honest, well. too. Some of those changes that he, you know, chose to do were not really him choosing to do it. It was done right. for him. It was either, um, you know, and Brian Kelly, if anything, was a self-preservationist, you know, I mean, and that that's the reality of it. But, um, yeah, yeah. This question was asked. Queen Kibler said, Brian, have either of you guys coached the triple option? I have. My last coaching job yeah. was in the triple option. Yeah, and that's partly why I hate it so much. I, I coached against the triple option plenty of time. I interviewed for a offense or an offensive line coach job in high school for a team that ran the triple option got offered the job and I did not take that job. Yeah, so I have smart. never coached the triple option. Yeah. I also played in it for a year in college. This is also partly why I hate it. So, oh. you know, the offense that I, that I was at the school I was at, they hired a new offensive coordinator going into my junior year. And um, let's just say he and I didn't see eye to eye on, on offensive football. <laughs> just leave it at that. All right. All right, here we go. Next question is from John a one who says, do you expect Pat Coogan to be more effective than he was in the spring game at playing between Joe Walt and Zeke Corral. 
Hope so. I mean, look, say what. Let's take out like my my overall skepticism about Zach, about Pat Coogan. I hope that Pat Coogan's uh, going to pan out, but it would be disingenuous to say, nope. Look, he struggled in April, so that means he is who he is. That was right. his first time really getting that kind of t- playing time. He was finishing up his sophomore year at Notre Dame, and it was part of the growing process. He's a better player now than he was then. That's in sure. that's unde- not debatable. Now, we could debate of whether he should be starting, and that's something I would debate against. And Marcus Freeman answered this question for us this week. He basically said they execute what we're asking them to execute consistently. I mean, that just that, answers he, exactly. He said it almost word for word. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Yep. And so, you know, that's the reason they're going with it. So, but but Pat wasn't that guy in, in April. He, he wasn't executing consistently. He's He's done the work to make himself the best version of himself for this season. Props to him for that. So I do expect him to be better. The question will will be he be effective. That's the question, right. and that's what we have, we're gonna have to learn about him. I, I think it is a great situation to your question, John, of like playing between Joe Walt and Zeke. Well, that's pretty good, man. Yes. That's like that's a, that's nice to be able to. If there's a question mark at offensive guard, it's nice that it's between the best left tackle potentially in college football and a second year starting center that played good football at the at the tail end of the season. So yeah, I think that. I think that that will definitely help that maturation and that transition, no doubt. And same thing with Rocco being with Blake Fisher and Zeke Carell, because him and Blake sure. are supposedly really good friends. Yeah. And so there's Call that trust. Friend, right, everything. right. Yeah, right. So there's that trust there. That And then having Zeke in the middle should help as well. So that, like we, and you and I talked about this in the pre, in the offseason, Ryan, is like, you know, having those guys sandwiched between veteran players is, is, an, is a, good situation for them to be in if they can it, it was for, for their development. It may not be the best thing for the offensive line. Sure. Cause as I said, you'd like to have that side that's locked down. That way you just have a side that's ready to roll. Sure. But for the development of those particular players, I think it's good it's that it's that way. Yeah. yeah. I'm excited for Rocco too. Like, I know we've talked about this a little yeah. bit, but like kid has been consistent through the trials and tribulations and all the question marks. And now he's starting offense guard for Notre Dame. We're going to see if he can flourish or not, man. I think it's, it's fun. I felt bad for him, Brian. I don't know if you saw, I know you saw his, his, um his media availability where like, they just kept hammering it though. They're just like, everyone just kept asking the same question over and over again. Yeah. Like, man, this has been disappointing for two years. Hasn't it? How many texts have you gotten about how much this sucks? I'm just like, uh, guys, he's an offensive lineman. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he, and they're acting like he's in his fifth year at Notre Dame. I know, right? Like the dude's a freaking redshirt sophomore. Everybody, like, what the heck are we uh, talking yeah, I just about? So bad. And, and the starters at guard last like year, Ryan, were a fifth and a sixth-year senior. Like, what are I we know. talking about here? I know. Uh, and, and I was what, like, that got annoying real fast. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it did. Because then, then Rocco even said, said he said something like. They were asking, like, oh, what's it feel like to be a starting guard at Notre Dame? He's like, I'll, I'll let you know kind of after the game because, like, I still have to play and play well. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, it's a it's a results-driven game, yeah. right? Like, if he doesn't play well, then they're going to have to find somebody else. You know what I mean? Right. But he's he's dessert, He's earned an opportunity to start at the University of Notre Dame. That's awesome. Can we just, like, give the kid, like, two minutes to be like, Nice job, man. Like, yes. what are your expectations for this yes. season? Like, what, yes. You know, what's, like, you know, if you want to talk about the journey, that's cool. But he answered the one question. Like, can we can we kind of move on and talk about the job? Yeah. It was like three follow-ups that were exactly the yeah. same question. I'm just like, That man. happens all the time yeah. with the indie media. It does. It's like, yeah. you know, and then everybody writes about the same thing. And it's just like, yeah. you know, come, I don't care, man. Like, 
that can answer the question. Let's talk about, you know, where his game has grown and, 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 right. you know, exactly. you yeah. know, yeah. Yeah. Looking forward, yeah. not just talking about all the right. negative I mean, it's, things it's that actually, happened in the past. <laughs> and like, I don't want to ignore it either. Cause I, I think it's, it's a situation, Ryan, where it is cool to talk about a former high recruit. Things don't go his way his first two years and yeah. he steps up. Like that's a cool yeah. story, but like, the like you said, I think you nailed it. It was almost like you were you sucked donkey. You know what's the first two years? What what was that like for you? And it's like, like okay, like we're we're now turning to something it shouldn't be, right? I mean, the kid didn't they, start they, his first two years. You know who else didn't start his first two years in their name? Mike McGlinchey. Right. right. You, you know what I mean? Like yeah, literally started his first game, his last game of his redshirt freshman year. Yes. Like that, right. So yes, yeah, and yeah. it was because of an injury. Right. You know, so it's like, guys, media does that all the time, though, man. They were doing I was listening to an interview that Dallas Goddard did for the Eagles, the tight ends. And Dallas is like one of the better tight ends in the NFL. And this guy was like, man, like no one really thinks you're that great uh, from a national perspective. What's that feel like? Like, literally, that was like the question. I was like, is that a question? Yeah. Like, that's a question. Liam Eikenberg's another one, right? Got his first start as a a junior, like his third year in college. Right. He he turned out to be pretty good. You know, consensus all American in 2020, right? Second round draft pick. Like this is, it's one thing if like you're a five-star quarterback and you're getting beat out by a three-star kid in your own class. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Again, Rocco was not ready to play last year. He had bad weight. I mean, we talked about this a lot, but he also had a sixth year and a fifth year senior ahead of him that had starting experience. Like even if Rocco was in great shape last year, I don't think he starts. Probably not. Right. Yeah. He needed time, you know, and or it wouldn't have happened until later in the year. Maybe. Yeah. Like, it, yeah, exactly. Josh yeah. Lug gets hurt or something. Yeah, right. exactly. Right. But, you know, but it's cool to talk about it. We just don't need to beat it to death. Exactly. You know, like make it a great story, but like it don't just focus on the full negative right. of it, man. Like that's my thing. It's just can we talk. Yeah. Can we ask him about Navy? You know, maybe right. just one question about did Navy. He, did he get a question about Navy? I didn't hear I one. Know. I mean, I, I don't. I turned it off after first comments. I was like, I can't listen to this anymore. Like, this is yeah. this is why I don't go to press conferences. That and I'm paying someone else to do it. But yeah, sure. Yeah. If you're stressed about buying tickets or doing some last minute ticket hunting to college football games, concerts, comedy shows, your favorite activities, game time is the place for you. They take the stress out of buying tickets. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theaters near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball games, concerts, comedy shows, theaters, and more. The Game Time Guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest-growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code IRISH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code IRISH for $20 off. Download the GameTime app today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. 
That's GameTime.co. Let's get to uh, let's get to some more here. L- love the questions today, guys. You are all guys and gals. You guys are bringing it today again, again. Smiling Irish. If you had to pick one, what other country would you like to see Notre Dame play outside of Ireland? My guess is you probably prefer the games to stay at South Bend. I have been adamant about this. We've been asked this before, Ryan. I don't I don't really care to see them play out of the country. I mean, I, I think there's merit to neutral site games in the Shamrock. We've talked about this, yeah. you know, getting down into Texas, playing a game here, playing a game there that 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 gets you in, in those states, maybe that you don't have to play a true road game, get you in those states in the Shamrock. That there's recruiting advantages to that. I don't really care that they play out of the country. The only other, the only two places that I thought would have made any sense for Notre Dame would be like Rome. And then I've said like in like Mexico city, although people have said it like the elevation elevations too high. I've never been, but um, you know, just because there's a huge Catholic presence down there, I I can't tell you how many fans I've met uh, who are from Mexico. Like they'll interact on social media. You look at our numbers for our podcast downloads in Mexico. It's pretty Pretty high, like a lot higher than I thought because it's a very heavy Catholic and you know down there and of course Notre Dame is is going to fit well there. So I mean sure. th- that that would be the ones that make sense. But personally, I, play home games, play road games, and play one neutral side a game a year. That's on, I'm I'm good with that. And yeah, I mean I, I it's a it's a fun question, but like the answer would be for me. You said one Brian that like I would love to go to Rome to cover a Notre Dame game if I sure. could go, but like if they go and I can't go, I don't really care where they're right. at. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't right. matter to me. So it's all about you, huh, Ryan? <laughs> uh, I mean, in this situation of like playing outside the country, it makes it harder yeah. for me to get to the game, man. Yeah. So, if yeah. it was about, I'll say this: if it was about me, that'd be kind yeah. of cool to go to Rome. My wife's been That's there; she says it's cool. beautiful. I would, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And she's Italian. I mean, like you, Ryan. Like I married an Italian girl, right? Like you yep. did. Um. So, I mean, that'd be cool, but I, I don't care about the game being, there's as a football coach, I, as a foot, from a football standpoint, I don't, it doesn't do anything for this team. It does something for the brand, but it doesn't do anything for this team. Agreed. And, um, you know, that, that's just my two cents, but I don't think it hurts them either. I just don't think it. Oh, it doesn't, it doesn't know, hurt. It just, no, yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's cool, but like, I guess sustainability of like, does sure. it actually matter? You know, doing it mean? every like, year. Uh, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, and you know, there's these, some of these kids get to go to a country they've never been before, and you cool. know that kind of thing. Yeah. So I would just, yep. I'd be curious what real Italian food look is tastes like. That would be something I'd be very curious about. I've, I've well. heard it's a game changer. But yeah, yeah, I will yeah. never know. Probably not. <laughs> Have faith, Ryan. Have faith. Well, I mean, I, I we have to pay for four if we ever are going to go it's now. True. So I mean, well, just know. wait till your kids are old enough to where they, you know, your mom can they come can stay with them for a week. You know what I mean? Uh, there yeah. you go. Or, or hopefully one of them becomes rich so that they can pay for their parents. You know, something like that. We'll see. Yeah, good, good luck with that. <laughs> Erica Cypher. Thank you, Erica. Just to say thank you for all the Intel and Notre Dame coverage. Let's go Irish. Tomorrow can't come soon enough. Thank you so much. Really I appreciate, appreciate that. It. Appreciate that very, very much. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about tomorrow. It's like I almost want to do like a 13-hour long show just because it gets us, gives me something to do and gets us closer to, <laughs> to, to kick off. <laughs> Vanilla yeah, Chill said we, we did kind of talk about this, but I I just I wanted to remind people. Sorry, Ryan. I wanted yeah. to remind people too is if you're a message board uh member, Ryan did a breakdown that's gonna be on the message board. It's gonna be message board only, where he actually put some clips, but he broke the game down because it was televised last night. 
And also, Ryan, you put a story out today that has links to how you can watch all the commits that kick off tonight uh, as well. A lot of players kick off tonight. So if you are a message board member, and I believe Vanilla Chill is. I think I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Ryan, um, Ryan did a breakdown on the board. So you haven't been on the board yet today. Go check that out. Put some clips in there. I know you like screenshotted some clips and put some different clips in there of him throwing. And then obviously some decision making he made in the run game and some his escapability. So. Really good breakdown that Ryan did. So yeah, we I, he watched more of it than I did. I have it recorded, Ryan. I did a yeah. screen screen grab of yeah, it last I, night. I, 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 I it just yet. I just watched the offense for them, obviously to get through all of CJ's reps. But like, yeah, it was a it was a really good game. I mean, twenty one out of twenty eight for over three hundred yards, two total touchdowns, one just ill advised interception when they were up thirty five to seven. Like that yeah. was just kind of the crux of that game. And so. I would argue two drops for sure. Drops yes. I saw as well. Yeah, he probably would have had closer to. 370 380 yeah. with a couple of drops kind of put in there because so, they had some he, deep the drops were deep throws the one that i saw oh yeah the one for the running back in the end zone had to be like 40 something yards yeah. right like that was a really nice he threw from ball. almost midfield if i remember yeah. correctly yeah yep. mike reddy says mailbag what is more important regarding fan perception gerald jared parker's first impression as offense coordinator al golden's improvement from the second half blunder of last year's navy game I think it's golden because look, if, if Notre Dame doesn't light the world on fire, I think fans are going to kind of give Jared Parker a, well, you know, that stunk and I'm a little nervous about it, but it was just this one game, right? You're playing on another country, whatever. It's first game, you know, Al Golden's now going into year two. The expectation is you should be better. You've played against this team before. You know what they're going to do. Yep. If, if he does, if they, if they don't play well against Navy defensively, I think that's going to create a very toxic, even more toxic culture around Al Golden. If the on the flip side, if they go out and dominate, it's an example of saying, "Hey, maybe Coach Golden has made the changes he needs to make to to you know to really thrive and and uh, build some excitement on that side of the ball." So I think I think the narrative that's going to change the most or be cemented is going to be the one around Al Golden. It's either going to be cemented that. that this guy isn't the guy, or it's going to be changed. Like, hey, maybe he has done a pretty good job. Uh, so I, I would say his. I think much much more more so. Al Goldens. I, I would I would agree with that because I really think that, like you said, Brian, like this is a very unique game, right? Like playing up in Dublin, playing over in Dublin, Ireland's week zero game, like it's very unique. And for Jared Parker, I f- I feel like he's going to come out and do really well as a play caller. But if he has a little bit of a growing pain in the first game, like it's not the end of the world, right? Like you still have game two, game three, and there's much bigger games on the schedule coming up where he can prove his worth. Al Golden, it's been all about, and we've heard good things about this, right? This offseason as far as defense seems to be moving a lot faster. They seem to be kind of more disciplined. Like, it sounds all good in theory, but if they come out and they struggle, it's like, man, I don't – was there actually a change that happened here? Like, I don't know right. 100%, right? And we have we have more questions about buy-in from Al Golden's side of things than Jared Parker's, right? Jared Parker is going to be a great – is he going to be a great offensive coordinator? I have no idea, but I don't think it's going to be because he's not putting in efforts 100 percent right. on all assets of the of the or job because title, he's super right? super so. stubborn, you know. Right. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I've heard this from ten different sources that he is very much more pro player in his philosophy as an offensive corner. What that means is essentially not that oh he likes players and the other guys didn't like players. That's that's not what I mean there. It's just more about 
you're either scheme driven or you're player driven. And what that simply means is what's at the root of what you're calling. If it's just, I'm here to outsmart the other guy, then it's all scheme driven. And you don't really think about what you have as talent base, a a player driven offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator says, okay, these are the parts that I have. We've got to make sure that we, we tailor. Now I have a philosophy. I believe in, we have a playbook that we use, but I've got to tailor that to fit my guys. Like, look, look, I love Ryan. One of my favorite throws out of trips, especially playing cover man, playing man, is I love throwing smash out of a trips where the number three guy is running a smash. So you get like a hitch outside, you get like a pivot route by number two, and then bang in a corner route to that requires, however, a quarterback to have a be able to throw a rope because that yeah. corner's traveling a further distance. There's more time for the corner to get underneath the corner back to get underneath that route because the corner's coming from further distance. Sometimes you got to put that sucker on a guy's back shoulder, right? Or you've got to be able to take it over top and really get it deep over top of the corner because it's a one-on-one and the free safety's not getting over to that because he's going to get kind of froze froze, uh, in the center by the the eyes of the quarterback and the vertical stem of the corner route. It's sure. the corner. So, but that requires me to my to have a quarterback that's got a, a hose. Well, what if I don't have that guy? Sure. Well, you know, hey, I called this play and it was schemed perfectly and it was called per- and you underthrew the ball and the guy picked it off. Well, you you suck. No, like uh, why are you asking that kid to make that throw? You know what I mean? And so you've got to be where Jared Parker is going to say well, hey, I don't got to kill with a great arm, but this kid's got great timing. Like, here's what it is: if Danny Warfel is your quarterback, you may not want to make that throw. Right. There's other things you do with the Danny Warfel. If you've got a, a more bigger armed guy out there, you got Pat Mahomes as your quarterback. You can make that. You can make that call, right? Yeah. And I think that's the the difference is is Jared Parker's going to say, "Hey, I'm not going to ask Sam Hartman to do this." You know, like I love quarterback call, you know, run game stuff, but I'm not asking Sam Hartman to do that, or I'm not asking, you know, Kenny Minchie to do that. I'm, I'm going to ask CJ Carr to do that, right? Because right. CJ Carr has more of that running ability. But I mean, those are just different aspects of what I mean and what I think we will see from Jared Parker. How good will he be at it? I don't know, but that's something that I'm very confident in. It's going to be much more player driven. Patrick Holmes is always my favorite because there's a great story of Andy Reid. It was like when he was a rookie. They ran some concept to the field. I forget what it was, but they were about to run it, Brian. And Andy Reid was like, where would you go with this football? And then he looked – and and so Pat Mahomes looked at, like, the secondary, right, and looked around, and he said, I hit the backside post. And then Andy Reid's like, what? What do you mean you would hit the backside post? But then they ran it, and he hit the backside post. And right. Like, oh, I guess that's in the playbook now. Like, Because he's he probably thinking, like, post. you can't make that throw. You know what I mean? Like against that coverage, you can't make that throw. And Patrick Mahomes like, yes, I can. (laughs) It was like, I think it was against like open field closed. Right. So it's like, you're running right into a safety. Like you can't make that throw. And it's like, yeah, he made that. I can. (laughs) can. (laughs) Completely changes the formula. But I, I think I told you this, but like I had, I listened to an interview that your did over at Penn state, the offensive coordinator. Mm -hmm. He actually had a really good interview, man. I actually enjoyed listening to him a lot. But they asked a similar question as far as like, what's your offensive philosophy? And he's like, you know, early on in my career, I was very scheme driven. Like I was, I wanted to, you know, Mm -hmm. get everything perfect. And then eventually I'm like, guys, like we need to remember who our best players are, man. And we need to get them the football at the end of the day. Like that's it. So he's like, you know, then we had great players, obviously of like Nick Singleton last year. And he's like, at at some point you're just like, 
let that guy be a guy, man. Like let him be a right. dude. Right. And, and I'll look good for that type of thing. So I just think that's yeah. a couple cool little notes. Yeah, absolutely. We got a little prediction here, Ryan. James Ingalls says my prediction is first play RPO 50, 50 handoff to the bus 2.0 in the a gap or dime ball to Tyree, the great one in the slot on a chunk play. Well, if it's first play, it's probably going to be Tyree and not great house, but yeah. yeah. I honestly would love to either see Tyree or Merriweather get the first bomb. I just, cause like, I feel like Tobias went from a guy, he did the typical Townsend young player thing that fans do. We yeah. overhype him when he doesn't play, not overhype him. Um, we, we obsess over him. Cause I don't think yeah. he's overhyped. I think Tobias flat out should have played last year. I just don't care what anybody says. You can't tell me what I saw last year at receiver was so good that I, you can't play that kid. Right. But the other part is for me, Ryan, I look at it and I say, you're in a situation where now, because he didn't come out and dominate Cam Hart and Benjamin Morrison, that now you've got people kind of doubting on him and, and, um, you know, those kind of things, you know, so yeah, I just, uh, I don't know, man. I just, I just want to see that kind of go away. Okay, now can we just evaluate him for what he is and not, you know, all these other type of things, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It would be interesting. Though. I'm very interested to that question, though. Like, I'm interested to see how exactly they use Chris Tyree the first game of the season. Yeah. Like, Because I, I honestly think that I think people are expecting, like, them to, like, take deep shots with him and stuff tomorrow. And I'm more expecting, like, quick hitters, screams, slants, like RPO stuff, like get him the ball quickly in this space and let him work. Like that's kind of what I'm expecting, but we shall see. And yeah, less than 24 well, hours at this point. And, so. and I want to see some deep shots to him at some point in time, but the stuff yeah. I really want to see Chris Tyree on is, is the overs and the crossers. Like if you can hurt teams with that stuff, it really changes what you do, Ryan. It, it really does yeah. to me. If that, I mean, Dante, Devonte Smith made a living killing people in 2020 on overs and crossers, right? And those different types of go from one side to the other side type of stuff, drags, whatever you want to call them. I mean, and they would scheme for that. They would like do clear outs. And then it's just like, dude, can you run with him across the field? Right. If you can add that kind of stuff to your offense, right? It can, I mean, because now all of a sudden teams see that they overreact. And so I'm, what am I doing? I'm bringing a deep dig behind it. You know, or I'm, or I'm using him as a clear out, and I'm I'm sailing somebody else across. You know, like I'll have him go, and then like a delay, you know, over from the other side, and they overreact to that, and then this guy comes free. You know, I can bang a post right over top of that because I know when that backside safety sees Chris Tyree coming on an over route, he's thinking I got to get on top of this guy, so I'm banging a post route behind him. I mean, there's just there's so Ohio many State different things. That, that stuff yeah, too, so there's yeah. and and Sarkeesian was great at that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yep. And I, they haven't had that kind of guy in the slot at Notre Dame. And if you can get yeah. that, that opens up so many other opportunities uh, for you. So, I mean, and to me, those things impact the defense more than just him running a go route by somebody or him running a wide fade. Oh, it's okay. Let's make this a little bit of adjustment. We're going to, you know, we're going to switch post snap and we're, and, okay, we, we got it figured out right now. You get sure. that one big play. But just the, the the there's more things that you can do if you're able to have success on crossers and overs and drags and stuff like that. And then of course you've got the the little speed outs, right? Where he catches a five yard outcut against soft coverage and just turns the corner, man. I mean, I, there's those are the things to me that have a greater impact on the defense than taking the, the go shots to Chris Tyree. I, I want to see more of that stuff than I want to see 
him running a five nine and a half guy that's never played receiver before running a bunch of you know 15 seams and go routes you know right. there's a time and a place for that he hit a he hit a they hit him on a deep ball on a on a post snap you know kind of like a post snap switch uh in the this the big spring scrimmage before the spring game remember on that on the highlights where yeah. he beat jd bertrand yeah those, those are things i want to see absolutely but that's not going to be the volume of what you're asking Chris Tyree to do. And, and honestly, if it is, then I don't think you're handling him right. And I'm kind of tired of watching Chris Tyree not be used correctly, to be honest yeah. with you. That's that's Chris he, Tyree. he's been so wasted the last three years, in my opinion, Ryan. Yeah. So wasted. To James's uh James's point, too, they we actually did see that combination in the blue gold game. We saw Chris Tyree catch like a RPO slant, like just over the middle of the field for like a pretty nice game. So mm-hmm. That was one of the uh, few nice plays of the day for that side of the offense. Yes. So. <laughs> yeah, we didn't see it a whole lot. So. Definitely did not see it a whole lot. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Next question is from John A1. It says, for the second consecutive year, Notre Dame enters game one with a minor offensive line injury. Do you expect Zeke Corral to be effective game one, or do you think he may have been rushed back into the lineup? When they when we saw him out, he had a he had a like a more of a brace on than a cat than a cast like a air cast or a boot. That told me it was nothing more than just a sprained ankle. And he was out there the next day. He didn't practice to tell me he's out there. And then I watched the video they put out from today where they're doing the they're playing that Irish game. What's it called? I don't know what it's called. Irish ball, I think is just what it's called. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. um, Zeke Crow's out there playing it. There's yeah. no way he's out there playing that if he's a guy that should be playing tomorrow that they rush back. I just, I don't see it. I just don't see it. And I, that's I just, that's pure speculation, right? I'm, I'm, yep. but I, yeah, I don't, I don't think that's the case. Now yep. that doesn't mean he can't get re-injured. That's just all. I mean, look, you could sit him out for two more weeks and not bring him back till three more weeks and not bring him back to central Michigan. And there's still a chance he's going to get re-injured. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, last year's one too, right? John is Jared Patterson, right? And Jared, there was a lot of talk before the Ohio state game of like, Jared might play, might not play. Like, you know, it's kind of that back and forth. They ended up sitting Jared for that week, right? So, like, they didn't rush him back. Right. So, I think the fact that Zeke is going to play is, like, a sign of, like, <laughs> it's probably a minor thing. Like, and if you were going to rush an offensive lineman back, Ryan, it would be for the Ohio State game, not the Navy exactly. game. Right? Exactly. Yeah, that, that's the other point is, like, you're playing against an inferior opponent as well. It's like, why would you rush a guy to get back for an inferior opponent? If he was Ohio State again, maybe I would understand that. But, yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah, I'm definitely rushing him back for the Ohio State game, not, yes. not Navy. Yes, sir. No disrespect John, to Navy, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, no disrespect at all. I mean, it's just reality. John John 88, how many defensive linemen do you see having double-digit sacks? I well, think I hope one, two. if any. Right? Yeah, I hope yeah. two. Um, yeah. But, Ryan, you and I have pointed this out. Honestly, a, a great pass rushing team in college doesn't always have anyone in double digits. I mean, yep. that's that's a. I'm not saying that's the goal. I'd rather have like one guy that is a great pass rusher. But was was wasn't um was it was it Louisville last year that was like really good at second yeah. quarterback and they had like just guys that were like seven, eight, nine. Well, they were high, that was Pitt. That was Pitt. So okay. okay. So to your point, Ryan. Pitt and Louisville both led the nation last year in sacks. Louisville yep. had 50, Pitt had 48. Neither of them had a guy in double figures. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Louisville had uh, Abdullah was a nine and a half and Diaby was at nine. And then it was six, yep. six, four and a half, three, three, two and a half, one and a half, and then five guys with one. 
Yeah. Uh, Pitt was the one you're thinking of. They had 48 sacks last year. They had 18 different players register a sack last year. And yep. it was seven. Uh, Dennis and Cansey were the top two at seven apiece. And then Alexander had five and a half and four, three and a half, three and a half, three, two, 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 two. And then like six guys with one and then another guy with one and a half. And, and so it's, it's, you know, it, it's the volume, right? It's, it's having a bunch of different guys can get sacks and not just having to rely on that one guy. Cause the problem is if you got that one guy, well, what if he has a bad game? Uh, here's another example, Ryan, last year, Penn state was sixth in the nation in sacks last year at 42. Their highest guy had was, was Abdul Carter at six and a half. Playing linebacker too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and so Notre Dame ranked 13th last year, and they had one guy that had a lot of sacks. And then after that, they didn't really have anybody else. Or Actually, if you really think about it, it was one position that dominated Notre Dame sacks last year. Because Foskey yeah. had 11 and Battelle had four and a half. So you had 15 and a half from one position. And then after that, it was three and a half, three, three, two and a half, right? So to me, you don't need that necessarily. You can be great at getting sacks and not have one guy. Clemson's another one last year, right? Clemson last year finished uh, fourth in the nation in sacks last year. Their their highest guy was six and a half. Two guys at six and a half and two guys at five and a half. It was Murphy and Trotter. Both had six and a half. And then Barrett Carter was at five and a half and Tyler Davis was at five and a half. And then your boy Rook Ororo was at four, right? I mean, so – the point is, is like, it's great to have one guy that's great at getting the quarterback, getting after the quarterback. But to be a great pass rushing team, you need to be able to bring pressure from all over, first and second level. And that's what Notre Dame lacked last year, in my opinion. D- different game, obviously. But I remember NFL last year, the San Francisco 49ers were not a great pass rushing team. Nick Bosa had 18 and a half sacks and the next closest guy had like four. And we're talking about a 17 game season, right? Like, I think that that really matters, obviously, of like, how is it spread out and what does it look like? And also, I mean, like, I think that, I think Jordan Battelle could get to double digit sacks potentially. Like, I think he has that type of talent, but when's the last time we, when's the last time Notre Dame had two guys with double digit sacks in the same season? It's gotta be a long time, right? Like it hasn't been recently. I don't think I yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know that I remember that happening. To be yeah, honest, with I don't you. even know if that's. I mean, yeah, it's probably. Been no, a long, but long we're gonna time. look it up, and it's gonna be like recently, and we just forgot about. Think it. so? But I mean, I'm just like that's usually how it goes. I'm trying to. Think. I mean, because like Foskey the last two years, I, remember, well, I mean, look, Ryan, yeah. they Foskey last two years before that. Yeah. I mean, they hadn't. I, I think the it, right? last guy that had no two it had yeah back in 2012 because you had yeah Romeo had nine in 2015 yeah and t- you had two it. Two it had eleven, and that year you had six and a half, seven and a half from Shimbo. And then Adi had like what eight that one year, like you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's yeah. I mean, and 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 um, I think Victor Abby and Miri had double digit sacks one year. I think, yeah. But I don't think anybody else on that team had double digits. Uh, yeah, yeah, ten and a half in two thousand and six. I don't think anybody else had double digits. And then before that, it would have been what like Justin Tuck, probably. So. Yeah, I mean, like that year, and uh, uh, yeah, he had most of the sack. Like, yeah, Justin Victor Avermiri had ten and a half, and uh, J- uh, Derek Landry had seven that okay. year. But yeah, so Justin Justin Tuck did his, I believe. Um, I believe he did his in two thousand and three is when he had his big sack That's year. Tough. Not it wasn't actually his last year. I, th- I thought it was the year before. Yeah, I think his last year he had like eight, right, or something. Yeah, like that. Like, I, I believe yeah. so. I'm still good, but yeah. 
but not not quite as much. Let's see if we can find Justin Tuck. Justin Tuck college stats. So let's see here. Because I don't think they provided stats in this this one here, roll right here. What in so, uh, pro, football, pro football reference or whatever? Yeah. Or football reference. Yeah, anything? this one, uh, Notre Dame 2003 stats. Let's see here. Yeah. I, I can't see that anywhere. But uh, I mean, that would be that would be the only year that I could think of. Yeah, where that might have been the case. Other than that, I yeah, I don't I don't know of anybody else on that team that would have been in double figures and would have had a chance of being double figures in sacks. To be honest with yeah. you, so yeah, it's been a long time, man. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, probably like I, I, Bryant Young and someone like maybe yeah, was, I don't or, know. or or they or um like a year where they didn't keep sacks. Like you say, well, you know, they would have had it in, you know, whatever year with Willie Fry and, and Ross Browner, but they didn't keep sacks back then. Sure. I don't, I don't know that it's ever happened at Notre Dame, to be honest with you, but it doesn't happen in most places. I mean, that's, right. so you hope, you know, you hope one, cause like the ideal situation, right. Is to get like 45, 50 sacks last year. One guy gets 10 or 11, but you're just, you're good everywhere. You know, Riley yeah. Mills has seven or eight. Howard yeah. Cross has four. You know, Gabriel Ruby has three. Onye has four. Your big ends produce seven or eight of their own. Your linebacker—that's the big thing right there. Ryan is going to be the linebackers. The linebackers are going to have to give you more because what? What are those teams that we just all broke down? What do they all have in common? Linebackers right? have finished. Abdullah Dennis was kind, from Pittsburgh. Yeah, Abdullah yeah. was a linebacker, but wasn't he? Was he more of an edge he played guy? On the edge a lot. Yeah, edge so lot, that's yeah. not really a linebacker. But their number three guy was Monty Montgomery, who had six. He was an off-ball linebacker, I believe. Correct. Yes, correct. And then yeah. Momo Sanogo was four and a half a as linebacker. a linebacker, right? Yep. yep. And then you look at Pitt. So, uh, Dennis, Dennis was a linebacker. He tied for the team lead. And then Solomon DeShields was also had four. I mean, she had two linebackers that that year jeremiah trotter and uh, jeremiah trotter tied for first and then barrett carter was next tied with tyler davis for that number three so it's like one and two or you know that's the way they do it so um yeah i mean so that's something the rams gonna have to get more from next year you abdul carter led penn state in sacks last year as an off-ball linebacker now i know i know he would line up on the edge at times like in the nickel package but yeah, so does Maris sure. Lilfowl and J.D. Bertrand and Jack Kaiser, right? But he yeah. in base defense, he was an off-ball linebacker, correct? I'm I'm exactly. pretty sure. Oh, you yeah. are. Yep. And and then you look at Notre Dame last year, and their sack numbers for a linebacker, you know, to me weren't weren't as impactful last season. And I think, you know, they have Jordan Patel listed as a linebacker. He wasn't. And then it's Jack Kaiser had two and a half. J.D. Bertrand had two. Uh, one and a half from Prince Collie. So that's what, four and a half, six, and then a uh, half from Marisol. So six and a half. So you, Notre Dame's entire linebacking core last year had fewer than the kid from Pitt, Dennis, and they tied Abdul Carter. The entire linebacking core, right? That to me, if Notre Dame has a big jump in stat and sacks this year, Ryan, it won't be because the D line produces 10 more sacks. It's going to be because the linebackers produce four or five and the D line maybe gets an extra three or four compared to last sure. year. It'll be stuff sure. like that to me more so than just, you know, cause dude, you got, you only had 38 only. I mean, they have thir- 13th in sacks last year, but that was right. because Isaiah Foskey had almost a third of them. Yeah. Right. I want to see a bit. Cause I think that makes you more dangerous. Yeah. Right. The, everything's about sustainability. I think that right. that's why some games it's like, Notre Dame couldn't get home a ton, and then other games they could. It's just it's not sustainable right. from a week to week perspective, right? Because if Foskey doesn't crazy. play well, you're done. Yeah, you're not I mean, against Ohio State. Back. Think of Ohio State. I mean, you got some great pressure point. on Ohio State, but like, uh, Ohio, but Foskey didn't play a great football game, yeah. and you weren't able to get home a ton. And you know, it's a great example, even better than yeah. that one. Stanford. 
Stanford's a good one. Isaiah Foskey was awful against Stanford. And so guess what? Rest of your defensive line wasn't very good either. Because yep. he was the guy you counted on to get you pressures. And I think it's uh, – and, Ryan, here's the thing, too, is if your linebacking core is really good at getting to the quarterback on blitzes, that makes your D-line even more effective. Yeah. And that could help hey. up their numbers because you get those run-throughs. I mean, Jack Kaiser comes screaming through, and the quarterback has to step away from him, and boom, right into Howard Cross, right into Riley Mills or Gabriel Rubio. I mean, that, it just has a huge impact when, you're, when your pressures can hit home with some consistency. Yeah. It's huge. Hey. Half a sack from Marist is pathetic. Like they need to be able to get more out of him. In that as often as they like, triggered him last yes, year, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. They need to, they need to be. I don't know whether it's a timing issue or it's a let's be a little bit more creative with how, where we're sending him. Like there needs to be some because I mean he's a long athletic kid. Like he should be able to get home in those types of situations. And for whatever reason, he did not. And it's partly him, I'm sure, but I think it's partly maybe wasn't utilized the best at times as yeah. well. So yeah. <laughs> 